0: you're listening to the world famous chick whisperer podcast and now here's your host scott mckay everyone and welcome to another episode of the chick whisperer podcast i'm very pleased to bring with you a new guest who you may or may not have met in the past his name is james knight and he is actually a new team member here at xmy communications joining rob brinded as part of the code of the natural team james welcome man how you doing you're all right? yeah i'm doing fine glad to have you on board man yeah it's good to be on board Yes, you and uh, Rob, who I've known for years, he and I actually spoke together at uh, Summit 2010, which is, you know, darn near, well, over five years now, about five and a half years. You guys have always done work that's fascinated the heck out of me because while other people are trying to figure out what to do and what to say to attract women – you guys have boiled it down to how we move physically and the kinetics of our bodies as being attractive to women, which at first sounded completely crazy to me, James, because it just was so weird. It was so different. It was so radical. Yet the more I listened to it, the more I realized you guys were onto something, if for no other reason than, hey, that's how we respond to women, right? When we see a woman move in a certain way, We take notice, whereas if a woman kind of walks like a man, her attraction level is knocked way down in our eyes, right?
1: So yeah, catwalk models, for example, really emphasize and exaggerate the pelvic motion as they're walking down the catwalk, which is perceived as sexy, uh, which is the reason they do it. What it's doing, it's showing health in the body. If your body has the ability to move in three dimensions, to the side, backwards, forwards, and with rotation, it's showing there's good health of... Uh, the muscles, good health of the tissues, good health of the joints, et cetera, um, which ultimately leads to potentially that's going to be a good mate that's healthy, can hold my children and uh, be there to bring them up, essentially. Um, movement, good movement is linked to good health uh, symmetry.
0: So it's all in the hips, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah, there is a lot in the hips. Um, there's a lot in the spine, but the hips is essentially like the hub of the movement in the body. Uh, We're designed to walk on two feet. The leg acts as a lever that we move around. Gravity pulls us forward, so bearing in mind that our ability to move is very much linked to our ability to survive, especially if you go back to how our body was designed thousands of years ago, then that's pretty much the essence of where attraction is.
0: Yeah, even in terms of personal health, nowadays you hear a lot about how sitting all day is the great killer. And men and women really were born to move, born to walk around all day long with short sprints here and there, you know, kind of presumably to run away from T-Rexes and, well, T-Rexes really <laughs> didn't exist back then, but, you know, saber-toothed tigers and what have you. It's interesting science, really. Yeah, so if you um, if you look at the
1: human body, um, a large part of it, well, it's predominantly based around movement. Uh, We've got our lungs, we've got our heart, we've got our digestive system, etc. But what that's really for is to bring in fuel to keep the muscular system working. We've got food coming in, which is again going to provide fuel. The oxygen we breathe in is going to provide fuel. The heart's going to get the oxygen round to those tissues. And then the leverage of the limbs, uh, the way the trunk's designed, the way the arms' designed is very, very much around allowing us to move efficiently. And uh, if you look at any animal in the animal kingdom, especially mammals, their ability to survive is very much based on their ability to move efficiently, powerfully, stealthily. So movement is pretty key to survival. So the better you move, the better uh, your ability to survive is going to be, and the more attractive you're going to be.
0: Yeah, that zebra on the Serengeti that's hobbling around on three legs, he's the first one to be lion food it's absolutely absolutely
1: yeah i love watching wildlife programs because you can really sort of get to the essence of what survival is and how mates come together essentially it kind of takes you back past how much money has the person got how does his face look how do we interact if you take it back to the animalistic side of things which is what i've done with this you really can see a lot and um there was one talking about like the the zebra hobbling there was a show once where a pack of wolves were chasing a um, I think it was like Buffalo bison. And um they're going through and, and the wolves just all synchronized on one of one of the buffaloes, uh, or bison, whatever it was. And um they didn't see it when it was live, the people commentating over the top, but when they slowed it down, the one that they all converged on was it had a very, very slight limp, which is massively key because they looked at that and they saw it as a weak link. Like when it comes to movement, attraction, if you've got a weak link, it's not attractive on the essence of what attraction is women are looking for someone who potentially would help them survive like the women's brain uh, this is basically where i've taken it you've got a reptilian brain our brains kind of evolved so at the basic it's called the reptilian brain that's got a lot of your survival instincts based there then you've got the mammalian brain and then you've got the, the neocortex which allows us to think and differentiates us from the animal kingdom but right down at the base of it that reptilian brain it has three basic needs one is safety one is sustenance and one is sex they are three things that drive uh, if they get triggered our body becomes alarmed so we really want to satisfy those all the time so from a woman's point of view she's looking if you've got safety she's looking for protection if you talk about sustenance she's looking for provision food shelter etc and then sex she's looking for procreation Um, The way that our DNA is designed is to keep on going. We will strive to survive. We'll strive to live. We'll strive to procreate and uh, allow our offspring, and we'll do everything we can to bring our offspring up. So that's where the essence of what drives us is. So, again, if you go back sort of 50,000 years, what now becomes important to a woman? Does she need someone that's got, like, great hair, and does she need someone with an Aston Martin? All she's looking for is someone who can protect her, someone that can provide, and someone that's got good genes for procreation. So her offspring is going to be healthy and strong. And how can you see that in someone? The way they move, the stature, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for good symmetry movement, strength, shape, etc. And that's the essence of what my work is in
0: a nutshell. James, it's so classically British of you to bring up an Aston Martin as the ultimate car. Well, of course. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention that because I caught it.
1: Actually, to be fair, one of my favorite cars is the old uh, Shelby Cobra, the one on am gone in 60 seconds,
0: Eleanor. I'd take that oh, one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful car. One of my neighbors had one of those. GT500 yeah. King of the Road KR when yeah. I was younger. It was that ugly green, and it was still a beautiful car. <laughs> that green, I think, came and went in the late 60s. Is that the one in Bullet? Uh, the Bullet Mustang is actually a little bit darker green than this was. This is almost like a metallic olive green with gold stripes on it. Yeah. It was a rather unique looking car, but still very beautiful. I think I would have gone for the white one with blue stripes, but uh-huh. be it as it may, this is what my neighbor had. And man, the sound of that thing just starting up and idling was massive and amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, they just don't <laughs> build them like those anymore. In some ways, that's a good thing, but we digress. Anyway. You know, I've often said, maybe not necessarily on this show, but certainly in half serious conversation with people, with friends, my wife, that attraction really in general is just a dirty trick from God. Here we are. We're supposed to be sexually attracted to these other human beings and have sex with them just so we can have babies. And then the other dirty trick from God is that babies are so cute that you don't kill them. Otherwise, (laughs) there's so much trouble. I don't know who in the world would put up with them. But I have uh, four such babies in our household, all of whom are growing up quite nicely, and we love all of them dearly, and uh, we wouldn't have it any other way. And attraction really is the same way. There is not a human being on the face of this earth except for you and me and the people listening to this show and people who are really, really geeky and wonkish about this and know all about the science, of course, like your evolutionary biologists of the world. Nobody realizes why we do this. But you just were bang on accurate in assessing it. Women's hips, the way women move their hips, all of that attracts us because they're more fertile, they can move better, they're healthier. They talk about the uh, 7 to 10 waist to hips ratio, the size and shape of a woman's breast. It's not really the size of her breast, it's the shape of her breast that turns us on, all of which points to motherhood and fertility and movement and overall health and survival. Because in our minds, that reptilian brain, which doesn't even understand the science behind it, is hardwired to be attracted to this. And that revolutionizes how we should be looking at attracting women, right? Because the money, the hairstyle, the Aston Martin, all of that may look nice to a woman, but there's something still happening in a woman's brain, of course, since she's still human, that's causing her to look at us, not really understanding what she's looking at and saying, oh, well, this guy right here, he's attractive. This other guy, he's not. This is not gender specific. Just like we look at a woman and go, ooh, we like that. And we really can't understand why, even though it's all of these biological factors you just mentioned, it's not gender specific. There's the same thing going on when a woman looks at a man, right?
1: Yeah. You mentioned something really interesting there, actually, about the money and stuff. This is where the deep essence of attraction gets very, very sort of merged with modern society, in a sense. So, if we go back to the reptilian brain, it's looking for safety, security, uh, sustenance, and like food, etc., and then sex, procreation. So, modern day money provides that. Money does provide security. It does provide the sustenance. It's not necessarily going to provide someone with the best genes. But this is where women get mixed up with modern society and they're going for those natural urges. Their are reptilian brains going, I want safety, I want sustenance. And modern time, modern day, someone who is not moving well could be providing those. Now, again, if you take money out of the situation, you go back 50,000 years and you've got no houses We're hunter-gatherers going around, living in caves, etc., which is where our bodies are designed, then all of a sudden, it doesn't matter how much money you got. All you're worried about is, who's the person that can protect me? Who's the person that can go out, hunt and bring back food? And then who's the person who's got the strong genes? And that's the essence of where attraction's at. Put it in perspective. um, Again, coming back to the uh, wildlife programs, lions are a great one. If you look at the lions on the plane, the male lion that gets the pride is the one that fights the other male lions off. I'm not saying attraction is a macho thing in that sense, but what it's saying is he's the guy that provides the safety because he stops other lions coming in and affecting them. He obviously, he's not the person that's providing the sustenance and that, but he provides the security. And then obviously he's the one who's going to have the better genes because that's in the lion's social circle. They need protection. So they're the ones that the females are going to want to go to to provide offspring that potentially is going to be of that caliber, I suppose you could say. And again, if you look at different social circles of different animals, it's always the same. It's about safety, sustenance, and then procreation comes last. They're the urges, the essence of what attraction is and what makes a female and a male come together.
0: So how about then this whole idea of men attracting women with movement and how that trumps even the money and the status in a woman's mind, because it's all hardwired at the biological, I guess, almost primal level. Well, it isn't almost primal. It is primal. How can a man maximize that? What are some steps we can take to go from being less attractive to being more attractive, just in how we are, how we move, and, and how we look to women? I mean, the key thing is, I work
1: with a lot of footballers and a lot of athletes. And some of the key things that we work on is movement efficiency, power, and we're looking for sort of like increased performance, increased ability to move well. And if you can translate that again back to if you've got someone that's moving well, he's, he's going to be far, far better at potentially hunting food or not breaking down like injuries, et cetera. You don't want someone 50,000 years back who's going to break down and have an injury. That could mean death. Back then, slip over and break your leg, you're probably going to die. So someone who has got the ability to have good balance, good movement, very efficient with that movement as well, is going to be a much, much better mate to help you as a unit survive. So in answer to your question, what I'm looking for when I'm working with athletes is how the body loads. So the movements that are occurring in the body that allows efficient movement to occur. So you've got movement in the foot, in the knee, in the pelvis, in the trunk, and it's got to be well-coordinated as well. So to give you an example, some people that sit down all day they get really, really tight hips. So when they stand up, they can't stand up properly, their pelvis rolls forward. Now, when you walk or run, you need that extension of the hip to be able to move efficiently without pulling your pelvis forward even more and potentially making your back ache. But ultimately, it's a lack of efficiency and movement and it can easily be seen with someone that's walking along who's got some kind of glitch in around their pelvis and um, it's not a smooth walk, it's more of a jerky walk. Or it's or it's not as um, it's not as free flowing. Um, you need that extension in that hip to be able to allow your leg to work as a lever to allow you to sort of translate across each step. The spine needs to rotate efficiently. So there's uh, there was actually a study done on um, the way the pelvis and the shoulders work. It's quite a funny experiment they done. They got people to walk on a treadmill and they got two groups. And the first ones was like, we just want to see you walk on a treadmill. We want to see how efficient the body is. And they walked in a certain way and they got another group of people and they said, we want to see how attractive you are when you're walking. And the ones, as soon as they said about attraction, they started swaggering their shoulders a little bit more. So people know what attraction is, even though they haven't put their finger on it yet. It's the same with women. If you said to a woman, walk more attractive, she's probably going to keep her head more still move her pelvis a little bit more, rotate the shoulders a little bit more, which is showing us that that's what should be happening when we're moving. We should be getting those joint rotations which loads certain muscles, which means that movement's more efficient in that person. So they're the kind of key things we're looking at. A lot of the stuff I've done is based around walking, by the way, because that's our most primitive movement. It is the way we move. So we can see a lot from that. It's the way our body's designed is based around making walking and running more efficient. So... When you see someone walk along, one of the key things I'm looking at is can their head stay still? So I'm not looking for this side-to-side motion of the head. The way our body's designed, the joints should displace underneath the head to keep the head nice and still. Now these days, where people, are uh, their feet aren't working properly because we're wearing shoes, they might have had certain injuries, they're not moving properly in gyms, they're doing isolated exercises which are non-movement specific, they're not getting enough good movement, i.e. running and walking outside and that. And what happens is their body shut down. Now, when they start walking, their head starts swaying side to side because they don't get that joint displacement underneath the head. Um, muscles don't load. And the springability, the, the sort of flow of the body, is not there. There's some stuff in the book that I've written where monkeys, when they stand up on two feet and start to walk, they get this same waddling side to side because their body's not designed to walk on two legs. And the further we go away from our ability to maintain our head nice and still, our body to rotate underneath the head and the muscles to load efficiently, the less attractive we become. So that's a key, key, key point.
0: A couple of very important things that you mentioned there that I find fascinating and interesting. First of all, you mentioned how when people are told to walk more attractive, they change. They do it. They know instinctively where this is coming from. But yet they don't do it naturally. They have to be told about it. They have to be reminded of it. Then people have to be intentional about it. I've noticed in general about all things related to attraction and dating that a lot of men know they're doing things that are unattractive. They know they're acting more like George Costanza from Seinfeld than they are acting like, say, Steve McQueen or Paul Newman. But they still do it anyway. They don't take the time, they don't put the effort in to be more attractive when they know what attractive looks like, yet they still don't do it. Like, guys will act needy and go, I just can't stop myself from texting her 10 times in one morning. It's like, I can't stop it. How much of this has to do with sheer determination as opposed to laziness and making a point to do this rather than just blowing it off and saying it doesn't matter? In other words, if you know. You're not moving or carrying yourself in a way that's attracting women. What can you do about it? What should you do about it? Can you be intentional about this and get somewhere with it?
1: When I'm working with athletes, we're looking at
0: subconscious
1: conditioning of the body. So you've got your brain. Your brain wants to help you survive, and that includes the tissues of the body, doesn't want you to be injured. That's why we get pain signals to stop you going through a tissue that's potentially broken at that point. What's happening with people? as they don't move that much, their brain's knowledge of how movement occurs safely reduces and reduces. So subconsciously, they're walking along and their brain's keeping them safe by minimizing the amount of motion going on in their body. Now, when you've got a minimal amount of motion going on in the body, it probably means that it can't generate much power and it can't generate good, efficient flow of movement. And movement all shuts down, and that's the whole point of what's not attractive. Now, the work that I've done in the book, etc., That goes into how you can start opening this movement back up again, how you can start doing certain exercises which trigger receptors in the brain to start allowing movement to start occurring again. That's why you get results so quick with it. And then if you keep doing it, the tissues will start to condition. There'll be new forces going through the tissues, so therefore they'll start to shape and condition. And that's essentially what you're looking at with athletes and gymnasts, etc. Their bodies are moving well, Good forces are going through the tissues and the tissues are adapting to that movement. This is why movement is key, first of all. So in answer to your question, people that are moving bad at the moment, it can easily be trained into the body. But from an intentional point of view of, I'm going to make myself walk better right now, you can do it, but you have to keep thinking all the time. What we're looking at doing with this program is giving people simple exercises they can do, which are effective pretty short to do as well. But it will start re-triggering, reprogramming the brain so movement becomes more subconscious and the body starts to adapt to that, which they end up with with a much better looking body as well.
0: I remember the first time I met Rob in person, he was talking about keeping your shoulders back Mm -hmm. and your body doing that naturally when you're healthy and when you're trained the way you're talking about. And he had this exercise we did and I don't really remember kinetically how it was done but at the end your body just naturally pulled your sh- you could feel it it was almost like a magnet was put on your shoulder blades and it lifted your shoulders up and back and they just stayed there and I was amazed by this <laughs> so these are the kind of exercises you're talking about right yeah
1: now. absolutely um, the worst thing you can do is consciously try and make your body do something that means it naturally it doesn't want to do it what we're looking at doing is giving the body the right input the stimulus, so the body wants to hold on to that, take it, and then it will use it naturally. With Subconsciously, you'll be doing it all the time without having to think. That's the key.
0: That's kind of ironic because if you're going to change how you think, or you're going to change something that you do and build a new habit, you kind of have to be intentional about changing it on purpose. And then over time, it becomes the new habit. This is different because you're talking about the body being retrained by a series of of exercises and sort of speaking the body's own language of reprogramming as opposed to the brain's language of just thinking something through, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The brain, without going into too much depth, there's two sides of the coin there. One would be what you're talking about there, which would be building a new skill. So if I wanted to become better at playing tennis or better at hitting a golf shot, I might need to do that over and over and over and over again to reprogram the brain with regards to that movement pattern, that skill. But when it comes down to walking, for example, it's a skill that everyone has. We're ingrained with that. So the reason it breaks down and people aren't moving well is down to the threat in the nervous system. The brain is perceiving a threat that we can't go through that range of motion in those joints, which then makes movement inefficient, smaller, and less powerful. So what we're looking to do in that perspective is give the body, the receptors in the body and the brain, the right stimulus to start triggering better movement, which is subconscious.
0: Yeah, that's amazing stuff. Guys, if you want to learn more about what Rob and James have going on, the name of the program is The Walking Code, which is a good name considering what it's about. And you can find out all about that at www.thechickwhisperer.com front slash walk, W-A-L-K. And like I said, Rob and James are team members here full-time at XMY Communications. They're on board. So That program, we stand behind with our own warranty, uh, with our own guarantee that it's going to work for you. And I'll tell you from a note of personal recommendation, the first time I ever heard Rob talk about this stuff was on a David D'Angelo interview. And I had no idea why or how he got on that interview because everything he was talking about to me sounded like pure nonsense. It sounded like you got to be kidding me. If I remember correctly, it was the only David D'Angelo interview I actually turned off midway through, shaking my head. And then I met Rob at that conference that we spoke at together, and he's a real good guy. And he and I got along immediately at the social level, you know. And I admitted to him after I heard his talk how much I enjoyed it compared to what my first impression was of his David D'Angelo interview. And he sort of laughed and said, yeah, that's not the first time I've heard that before because it is weird. It is strange. It's contrary to everything we've been told about how attraction works and what you need to do or how you need to think to get it going. Yet it is like the most primal baseline ingredient of attraction. If you get this right, everything else stacks on top of it. Otherwise, you're sort of building a house without building a foundation underneath. Yet you guys are the only ones who are teaching this. So that made it so exciting for me when I invited you guys to be a part of X and Y Communications to have you come on board because I really think this is sort of the holy grail of attraction. But you guys, with the expertise you have, and you mentioned briefly that you work with soccer players in Europe and guys come to you and Rob and pay you big bucks to be better athletes based on their kinetic movements. On the field, and that also applies to dating and attraction. So, the fact that you guys are experts in that and that you can teach it really sets you apart as experts, meaning that this is not a commodity that you are teaching. I mean, attraction and flirting and all those things, you can find out all kinds of information, and people will differ in how they teach it, and you can kind of find your own style. That's all well and good. But if you want to build that foundation, if you want to train your body to move in a way that's attractive before you even concern yourself with the social part of it, then Rob, James, you guys are the go-to guys to do this. So guys, check out com front slash walk. And uh, James, on behalf of the whole team here, we welcome you aboard. I think this is going to be great working together. Thank you for stopping by today and sharing your wisdom. No problem. Thanks a lot, Scott. And until I talk to you guys again soon on the next episode of The Big Show, this is Scott McKay from San Antonio, Texas. Be good out there. The Chick Whisperer Podcast is copyright 2009 by X and Y Communications. All rights reserved worldwide. Be sure to sign up for the X and Y Communications newsletter at www.thechickwhisperer.com. This is Ed Roy Oldham speaking for The Chick Whisperer Podcast.